You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. I don't know if I've said that in a long time. You may be seated. Come on. It's it's all good. Can we just can we just pause for a minute and give God thanks for being together tonight? And for everybody who's watching online, I'm going to try my best not to talk about tonight. So whenever you're watching this, if you don't get a chance to be here in person, um, I just want to to make sure we're, we're recognizing you as well. But first and foremost, I just want to point out Pastor Sanchez. Pastor Julio Sanchez is here from Rios de Agua Viva. Pastor, I don't know if we can say it loudly enough, pero gracias. Gracias, gracias por esto noche. Es muy, muy, muy bueno. Thank you so much. My Spanish is atrocious, but I'm trying. Um, I'm telling you, it's just, oh, man. We believe God told us that 2020 was going to be a year of something new. Hmm. Hmm. It's clearly been that on so many levels. Talking to Dominic before, he said, man, you heard right. I'm like, yeah, I heard right. I don't know if I wanted this, but I mean, something new. Hasn't this been something new for you? Wow. Totally, totally unexpected. Definitely not what I, what I pictured, right, when we first considered that phrase. When we first heard something new. This is not ever what I imagined. Um, but this moment right now is something new. This is something new right now. We're, we're gathering in a new way for us. Hey, listen, we've gathered in parks, by lakes, uh, we've gathered in, this is our fourth different building, like we were made for this, like we know all about just making stuff work, and this is just a beautiful place, uh, I, I've, it's been just a tremendous welcome, so thank you to the pastor, to this church, to everyone who's here from, from this church, thank you so much for opening the doors and allowing us to be here, we had no idea. On March 8th, 188 days ago, six months and four days, half this year, that that was that as we walked out of the Seventh-day Adventist building down the street, that we would not gather again inside a building for six months. We had no idea that Sunday when we walked out that it would be like this. I'm telling you, it's something else. It's been a wild season. I mean, so then... You know, you've got so you got the pandemic, obviously, and then you add to it the political, you know, fun stuff that we've got going on. Um, then you can add to that a, a racial reckoning for our country. Add to that right now wildfires going on. We had an earthquake in New Jersey, spotted lantern flies. I mean, seriously, uh, you know, hail, uh, all sorts of crazy things this year. It has not been a smooth year by any stretch of the imagination. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, if we take a look at it, I think it's been made more difficult, if possible, by the way we're treating each other. If you look at our world, it's been a difficult year with stuff, and we've made it worse. People are making this harder than it needs to be. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's unfortunate, but I think it's true. If, if we all got along and worked together, I think this would be a much different experience. I think this would have been a totally different experience had people just said, hey, let's let's collaborate. Let's work together. Let's be kind. Let's let's show grace to each other. Let's let's really figure this out. It would be a very different 
scenario. Now, fortunately, there's, listen, there's a lot of good going on. There's a lot of good stories. I don't want to in any way communicate that there's all bad in the world. There's all sorts of good things going on right now, good stories. Um, but I think it's just, it's, it's hard to deny that our world has gotten more divided in these past few months, if, if that's possible. Uh, obviously, political years, you know, election years are never fun. But I think it, I think it stems, I've been thinking about it, I think it stems from two uh, tension between two values. And, and the values are these. These are the two values that I think are, are the reason why we're having such a hard time getting along. Okay, right now, and, and maybe just throughout history, but it's these two values. The first is accountability. And the second is forgiveness. And those both sound like really good things, right? We like accountability. We like forgiveness. We, we need both of them. Both are the values we'd say we embrace. Um, yet I think the reality is that many people favor one over the other. Many people favor one over the other. And I put together a simple chart. Kids, we're going to virtual school. Look at this. All right, I put together a little chart here, okay? And uh, so you've got on the bottom here, forgiveness. So uh, on the left would be like no forgiveness, working your way towards lots of forgiveness. On the bottom, then you've got accountability, working your way to the top. So they increase in measure, okay, as we go through this chart. And so in this first where the X is here, that would be called, right, high, high on the forgiveness but low on accountability. Does that make sense? These are like simple little diagrams. You know, we see these in lots of, lots of ways. Now, this here, when, when people are leaning towards forgiveness and low in accountability, it masquerades itself as kindness. <laughs> I'm going to step on toes, just so you know. It's been a long time since I've preached to people in a building, not to a camera. So I'm, I'm a little fired up. I'm excited. This masquerades as kindness. But the truth is, it's people excusing wrong without atoning for it. They just want to excuse everybody. They just want to, they just want to wipe it all away, but they never want to make it right. And this is what we call injustice. I just want to excuse everything. And it looks like kindness. It looks like we're being, you know, really, really good people. But really... The danger here is it compounds the wrong. It's painful for those who have been hurt and victimized because what's ever been done to them isn't ever atoned for. Do you see that? Somebody did something wrong to you and somebody else is quick to forgive them, but they never made it right. Ah, uh, that's not helping. You know, sure, you might think you're being kind, but really you're low on accountability. And the ultimate end of living there very simply is anarchy. Because if there's no meaningful consequence, then I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And everybody's just going to give me forgiveness and things like that. But if I don't have to ever pay any consequences, I can do whatever I want. High forgiveness, low accountability. We see that, right? Makes sense? Okay, next one. We're going to go to the other corner here. Now, high accountability, but low forgiveness. Okay? This masquerades as righteousness. Uh-huh. Yep, that's fun. All right. The truth, right, this is people that just say, hey, listen, we've got to be doing it right. We've always, these are the law keepers, right? We're, we are getting it right every time, okay? It masquerades as righteousness. The truth is people do to others what they would never want anyone to do to themselves. It's when we judge others by what they do and we judge ourselves by what we meant, okay? It's a militant zeal to make an example of anything wrong. At its core, this is death. The wages of sin is death every time, always, and forever. No room for forgiveness 
just straight up accountability. Do you see the extreme? That's extreme, but do you understand how we're, we're viewing this? Okay. So you've got high forgiveness, low accountability. Then you've got high accountability, but low forgiveness. And the danger here is that it devolves into what we call cancel culture. You may have heard this phrase. It's being thrown around a lot. Um, cancel culture is where anytime somebody does something wrong, they're done. They're ruined. They're shut down. If a, if a, if an athlete gets arrested, the team cuts them. Right. If 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 somebody does something wrong one time, the company fires them. OK, we, we, we see there's there's no room for forgiveness. It's straight hard line. And what happens is fear rules. Because it's impossible to live this way and everybody loses the ultimate end. And here's what's so ironic. The ultimate end is that cancel culture defeats its very purpose. The goal is to change what's bad and wrong and make it good and right. That's the goal of those who, who seek justice, who seek accountability. They just want to make everything good and right. And what they do instead is show no, no mercy, no grace. And, and instead, what happens? Because it lacks forgiveness, there's no opportunity for change. There's no opportunity for healing, for, for repentance, for growth. And the inevitable outcome of cancel culture is that we're afraid to confess anything. Because we know people are going to shut us down as soon as we do. It's certain death. And it's ironic because it eliminates any possibility of what those who participate in it hope to achieve. They'd rather, rather than a better, healthier world, we have a more secretive, more tentative, more fearful, less trusting society. Is that where we live? Right? Go ahead, tell, tell, speak your truth. You don't want to speak your truth. Nobody wants to speak the truth because people will shut you down in a second. High accountability, low forgiveness. Oh, they're both ugly. So then let's go to the, the, this bottom left one. This is even better. This is even better. Low accountability, low forgiveness, right? So here, here's the thing. This is like we don't have accountability and we don't have forgiveness. And these people exist. They might be here. Ready? It masquerades as neutrality. I don't pick sides. I stay out of it. I can see both sides. Right? We, we hear people talking like this. And the truth is it's people abdicating their power. Choosing the path of least resistance. It's often easiest to do nothing. God has given us the power to do justice and to show mercy. And we'll be judged as equally for what we have done as for what we have not done. We know these things. We know these things. So the danger here... The danger of living here is that power will be seized by those who lack the character to handle it well. When those who should don't, those who shouldn't will. Does that make sense? You understand? And the ultimate end is things like that. The screen shuts off because it's chaos. Because it blows a fuse. By the way, that's an awesome screen. Can we agree that's an awesome screen? You can have, it's, just, it's just really cool having that back there. The ultimate end of, of no accountability and no forgiveness is chaos. Life becomes about survival rather than flourishing. And it's a hopeless existence because that's not living. Right? This is, isn't that a terrible chart? That's a lousy chart. The only good news is there's one box left. There's one box left. And this is the only place we find high accountability and high forgiveness. It's the only place you find high accountability and high forgiveness. The best part is here, there's no masquerade. 
There's no false promise. The truth is that Jesus is both accountability and forgiveness harmonized. Because only in Jesus is true justice executed and true righteousness and true forgiveness fully extended without violating each other. It's the only place it can happen. The only place it can happen. He paid the complete penalty for our sin. And he extends complete grace. Now, again, remember, we're talking about our culture and how in this difficult year, it's been made more complicated by us, by people. Because you've got people fighting either for living in those other three boxes. And that makes life very difficult. But Jesus offers us the only way out. The only way out, both accountability and forgiveness. And the only danger of this box is missing out on it. Because the ultimate end of a world where grace and accountability coexist, the ultimate end is hope and peace and goodness. So how does this relate to something new? We said we wanted to take some time to kind of re-examine something new. We, 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 we took a look at Isaiah chapter 43 back in the beginning of the year where God says, you know, I'm going to do something new. And we, we felt like he was going to do something new in us, right? And uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. And in the middle of all that's going on right now, I want to come back to the promise God made right there, Isaiah chapter 43. And he says this. He says, I made you, says, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. See, as we're, as we're talking about something new, as we're thinking about something new, we've come into something new, and it's been a difficult year, and people have made it more difficult. You come back to this promise, and it's just, as I was thinking about it, it struck me. God made this promise to people who didn't deserve it. He made this promise. The people of Israel were part of a long history of failure and and, and walking away from God and disobedience and constantly, constantly straying from what God said. He said, hey, follow me. And they would just go this way. Hey, let's go this way. They'll go that way. Constantly. Hey, God, love you. Tomorrow, forget you. Hey, God, love you. Forget you. It was this constant, constant walking away from God. And when you read Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the first half of it is God addressing the people saying, hey, you keep, what's your problem? That's Jersey. What's that's what he says. What's your problem? I told you what to do. It's going to be good for you. Why can't you do that? And they continue to walk away over and over again. Come on. Nope. Come on. Nope. So for the first half of Isaiah, God is saying, come back. Come on. You, you, you've, been, you've been screwing this up. Tell them how unworthy, how disobedient, how stubborn, how foolish. But then God flips a switch and does something completely unexpected. He makes them a promise. And he says this, he says, and guess what? To you people who continue to be disobedient and mess it all up, he says, guess what? I'm going to do something new in you anyway. See, that promise was not made to people who deserved it. It was made to a stubborn, hard-headed, people living in the other three boxes. And he says, I'm going to make you a promise anyway. I'm going to, and, and not only that, I'm going to so bless you that the people around you will be blessed sheerly by proximity. 
He says, the, the animals that live around you, they're going to be, they're going to give me thanks for what I'm doing to you. They're going to be blessed. The people around you are going to be so blessed just, just by being near you. See, the promise of God, which extends to us today, we believe God has spoken this to us for this year, something new, definitely in a wilderness, definitely in a wasteland. Uh, that's where we are, and that God says he's leading us into those places, yet in those places he's going to make a pathway through. In those places he's going to put a river. And where are we? We are at rivers of living water. Okay, so in something new, God says, I'm taking you to rivers of living water. So God told us back in January we were coming here. We just didn't know it. Um, the entire promise is filled with grace because it's being given to guilty people. Just think about this. Way back then, God, before Jesus ever came to give his life for us, God was showing us accountability. He's holding them accountable. You people have been messed up. Yet, at the same time, forgiveness. I'm going to promise you something new. God says, I know all about you, everything you've done, and I want to do something good in something new in you anyway. It's so different in our world, right? The people who are high on justice, right, they would say, we've lost our chance. You don't deserve it. You blew it. You're out. And they'd be right. The people who are all about forgiveness would want to give us, hey, we'd love to give you something new. But it would be empty because the wrongs we'd done would never have been made right. And so they wouldn't be able to give us much of anything that's meaningful. And the neutral people would have no power to give us anything because they gave it up long ago. Only God can give guilty people something new. Something so good that it will make this pain worth it. How many want to know that this year is going to be worth it? That walking through this is going to be worth it. You came here wearing masks tonight, which I sang with a mask on. That's no fun. But you know why we're doing this? Because we feel like being here tonight's worth it. It's better than being at home. It's worth the effort, worth the pain. Right? That's why we are here. And that's what we want to know. We want to know that this year, that if we stay with God, it's going to be worth it. That, God, I'm walking through. This is a crazy year. But, God, that if I stay with you, that when we come through this, and we will come through this at some point, that God's got a plan. That when I come through this, God, I want to know that it's worth it. That's what, we, that's what we're trying to know. And I just want to give you peace tonight and, and encouragement to know that in God... We can trust his promises. And he doesn't give his promises to people who deserve them. He gives the the promises to the people that he loves. So what? So what? Well, there's one action I just want to suggest tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening. It's going to take a while to get over that. That we must embrace, one action we must embrace in order to move into that upper right quadrant, to live where Jesus lives. And it's the second step of that high five that we've been talking about if you've been part of Life Tree throughout this year. Starts with thankfulness. And the second, remember the five, five, five minutes prayers, five things that you can pray, five, five minutes of prayer, the highest five minutes of your day. We're going to start with Thanksgiving, talked about that last week. And then the second one is confession. It's confession. We need to admit when we have been wrong. And here's the thing. Confession, I know the screen's off. It's off. Confession is a gift. It's a gift. Our world tells us that confession is to be feared. 
That it's something you want to avoid. Cancel culture tells you, right, if you confess, you are done. But confession is a gift that God has given us. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Hear that. If we confess, he's going to squish you like a bug. Or if you anybody watch Shark Tank, I'll crush you like the cockroach you are. Right, Mr. Wonderful? If we, can, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and what? Just. To forgive us. He is just to forgive us. You see the blending of both justice and forgiveness. When you confess, you find the harmony that leads to healing, that leads to change, that leads to growth. When you run away from God, you just continue to run into one of those other places and you're just running from the only thing that's going to bring what you need. We need to grow. We need to get better. We need to repent. We need that's a gift to us. God has said, hey, listen, I want to help you get better. I want to help you grow. Just come to me. Confession is good for the soul. You've heard this. When you confess, guess what? I forgive you. I cleanse you. I make you new. Our world tells us that confession that repentance is to, be a, is to be feared. And Jesus tells us, no, no, it's a gift. Because when you confess, you, you draw closer to me. And you get to see my heart. And my heart is not to crush you. My heart is to cleanse you. It's a pathway to change and healing and growth. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. You can't hide it anyway. Not everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are, what? Accountable. We're accountable in front of him. So then, what are we supposed to do? Since he's the one that's got all accountability, high accountability. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us firmly hold to what we believe in. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He knows. He gets you. He knows what you struggle with. For he faced all the same testings you did. No, Jesus didn't have the internet. He didn't have to struggle with the things like we did, like drivers cutting him off. But those same things, anger, greed, lust, you name it, all of those things, he faced them in, in, at their root. He faced those things just like you faced them. He understands, and yet he didn't sin. He persevered through that. He knows how to get through it. So, since he can show you how to overcome those things that trip you up, guess what? Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There you're going to receive his mercy, and you'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Justice and forgiveness. When we confess to doing wrong, our world wants to cancel us. Pastor Dre pointed this out. When we confess our wrongs to Jesus, he cancels them. He cancels our sins. It's the ultimate cancel culture. I want to encourage you. Perhaps as you're listening, you recognize parts of your life. Maybe you've been elevating justice over forgiveness. Maybe for you, you've just, you find yourself being judgmental. You're getting angry at people. You just want to write everybody off. You just ticked off. Did you see what they said? How dare they? I can't believe these people. Do they have any sense? 
have a brain. The world's filled with a bunch of people that are just not as smart as you. It's amazing how the world even survives. Perhaps as you're listening, you know you need to repent of elevating justice over forgiveness. And perhaps you lean towards forgiveness, haven't really held the line on justice. You've been part of pouring on pain to somebody else in your quest to be kind, to not hurt anybody's feelings. We want to, we want to be kind. We want to do right. And yet we've neglected to do justice. And you know it. You know you're afraid of it. Guess what? God can help you overcome those things. He knows those weaknesses. He knows what you struggle with. Don't run away. Don't hide it. Come to him. And he will heal. And he will cleanse. And he will give you the strength to move forward. And perhaps you've just abdicated your power and you've, you've played the neutral card. I just stay out of it. I don't get involved. Perhaps you've done nothing. God's going to ask us to give account. And if we do nothing, it's the same as taking what God has given you and burying it in the ground. Saying, I don't want to, I'm just, I don't want to risk getting involved. It's easier to stay out. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. We're just going to close. I want to give you just a few minutes to think about this, and then we're going to get you out of here. One, one hour, one hour done. But there's something inside us, I think, that longs for our world to be rid of the sin and the evil and the hatred and the ugliness that exists. Wouldn't you love for, for this world to look a whole lot more kind and loving and gracious and merciful? Wouldn't you love for it to be totally just, where justice reigns, where everybody gets fairness? Wouldn't that be awesome? And wouldn't it be awesome if everybody also got second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances? No, hold on. No, no, because because grace just keeps on going. Well, how many times should I forgive God? Seven? Would Jesus say no? Seventy times seven? Just 490 if anybody's doing math, kids. This point is not about the number. There's just no end to how many times we forgive. So wouldn't it be great if we knew we had grace to be honest that we weren't going to get crucified for saying things that maybe we get it wrong but that people would recognize that we're trying there's something about just trying we've we've just so tight and so ungracious and there's so much injustice that the world's a mess but we need one thing and one thing only we need Jesus The best way for Jesus to come into this world is if we bring him here. And we can only bring Jesus into the conversations. We can only bring Jesus into our work. We can only bring Jesus into our families when he's living in us. And he can only live in us when we're spending time with him. Run to him. Do not run away from him. In those moments where you feel guilty, where you know when you feel shame and regret, in those moments, confession is a gift because it brings us close to the heart of God and we understand how much he loves us. Our culture trains us to avoid repentance. Kingdom culture must compel us to run. 
to him. He desires to do something new in us. In order to do that, we need to lay down the old and let him fill us with something new. God is a beautiful and stunning combination of both accountability and forgiveness. So I just want to encourage you right now, right where you are, would you just take a few minutes and search your heart? Say, God, search me right now. Examine our hearts. And if there's something that you need to confess right now, it's between you and God. You don't need to confess to me. you got straight access to Him. Go ahead. But let's not, let's not miss this moment and go on with our life. Take a minute right where you are, and then I'll close in prayer in just a moment. would be a work in our hearts. God, we ask that you would accept our repentance, our confession, Lord. Your word promises that if we confess that you are faithful and just to forgive. God, how incredible you are. There's none like you. There's nowhere else in all creation we find both that perfect justice and perfect grace only in you. So, in this moment we ask that you would continue to draw us closer to you. Cleanse us. Wash us like new. We welcome you to continue to do something new in us. May we continue to come to you and confess. Confession is not a a one and done thing. It's a constant, constant practice. Where we regularly come to you. It's a gift. Every time we, we blow it, every time we mess up, we can come to you. And know that you will welcome us. That you will be just. But that we'll also find grace and mercy. How good you are. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.